Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tough on Art. I'm Jen Tuff, and today I'm just going to do a few more gallerist Q&A. So our first one is from Elizabeth, and she asks, I am already in a gallery and I have a new body of work. What is the best way to present it? Images of all 12 pieces or just a few? In person, via email? Okay, so... I'm not sure how you usually deal with your gallery, but however you normally deal with your gallery, I would say that that's the best way to do it. You know, um, when you get, after you've been working with them for a while, if they like email, if they like in person, if they like, you know, to just discuss things with you, um, how, you know, you should, you should know that by now. If you're not sure about that, because maybe it's a new relationship, maybe you just send them an email with a few images, say, Hey, I have a new body of work. I wanted to run it by you, see what you thought, get your feedback and then go from there. So that would be my suggestion. This next question is from Suzanne and she asks, I want to get more exposure for my workshops and and courses that I host. Um, I have several different kinds. She says she has online courses, a monthly day long class and workshops for small groups and also online stuff. Um, she says she posts, she posts frequently on Facebook and Instagram, but I don't seem to get the response I would like. Any help would be great. So this is one of those, you know, this is just about marketing good old fashioned marketing. So what I would suggest, because there's so much competition after a year of COVID and shutdowns of online courses and materials and things like that, I would suggest that you really spend a lot of time giving out as much information as you can for free. And I know that seems like that would be, you know, kind of opposite of what your goal is. Obviously you need to make some money and support yourself. But the best way to get um, dedicated audiences is to give them stuff. Um, You can set up, you know, you could do a podcast. You could do lives on Instagram. You could do all sorts of things, uh, PDF downloads that people might be interested in. Those are kind of, those aren't so great anymore because they're kind of overkilled. But any kind of live thing where you're, where you're doing, um, where you're giving people stuff, where they can get to know you, they can hear your voice, they, they can recognize you a little bit more, they see you live on Instagram, things like that. I think you would be really good at that too, Suzanne, because I know you in person and I think you'd do great. So um, give Instagram lives a try and maybe you know show some demos of what you do, um, just short little demos. That might be really effective. Hope that helps. This next question is from Alex, and they ask, what do you consider an emerging artist? I have been told by some galleries it simply means they haven't been represented by a gallery, not necessarily how long they have been a working artist. This is a a tricky question, and you know what? Um, Emerging artists are... You know, I think those are only terms that galleries use or maybe people in the in the biz. Um, I know that artists don't use that. Like they wouldn't introduce themselves as an emerging artist. Um, so that seems kind of weird, right? Um, so I, I think that this term came about because galleries still and particularly, you know, prior, last prior decades, were very interested in emerging artists because they could represent them in the beginning of a career and then, you know, their prices would go up and up and you could kind of nurture a career with an artist. But I think a lot of galleries are seeing that that method doesn't really work anymore. At least in my opinion, it certainly doesn't work. Um, so the term emerging artist, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, when I talk to other gallerists that I've never used that term and I've never heard them use that term. So, you know, maybe we should just retire it. 
Maybe we should retire this term. Um, because I think it kind of goes with this old school way of thinking that artists have to find a gallery and, you know, until they find a gallery, they're nothing, you know, and, and that's, that's bullshit. Like you don't, you know, you don't, that, that don't fall into that trap. Um, you are what you are. And if you've been an artist making work for, um, you know, several years, I wouldn't consider you an emerging artist. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's also how you decide you yourself to define yourself. Um, but I think it's a sort of an outdated term. Let's just retire it. Let's do that. So if you want to call yourself an emerging artist, great. Um, but I think it's kind of going on these old methodologies that aren't really um, beneficial to artists anymore. So there you go. Next question is from Marianne. And she asks, I have heard conflicting advice about whether or not prices should be listed on websites. What do you recommend? Um, I think it depends on the website. I think it depends on your art. I think it depends on what direction you want to go. If you are of the mindset that you're really content selling your work on your own and you want to do that, um, then having prices on your website is almost a must. I would have them in a, in a low key way. I would be really careful with graphic design on your website. So your website doesn't look, you know, like Walmart <laughs> or something like that. You know what I mean? You don't want that. Um, I would also make sure that the, you know, that the shopping cart situation, like the way the the payment and things are processed is done really, really well. So there's no, so there's no issues with that. The other option, if you're uncomfortable with putting prices on your website or you're not feeling comfortable or tech savvy enough to, you know, to have a shopping cart where people can actually check out on your website is to just put the prices on there with your email right there or contact me or something like that. Um, phone number or email. Lots of times people want to talk to you anyway. I mean, I found with my websites when I have work for sale on them, most of the time I would say, yeah, it's probably like 50, 50 now, but it used to be about 75% of the time, um, before COVID that people would call me and want to talk to me about the work. They didn't want to just buy something online. And now it's about 50-50. Actually, my website um, right now after COVID, I've only had it up for about, I think, six weeks or so. And I've just sold so much work. It's insane. Um, and people are very comfortable checking out, um, you know, like that. But I realize I'm a gallery and, you know, you're talking about just being an artist. So it's totally up to you. My only warning would be to make sure it doesn't look like Walmart. Make sure that the process is really easy. Um, you want to have it very sedate, low-key, classy. You know, you want to think of like, you know, linen tablecloths versus plastic tablecloths, right? You want to kind of have that vibe to your to your website if you're going to be selling things online. And it, it also sells on the kind of work. Like if you're selling prints, absolutely sell those online. I mean, I really think that this idea that, um, it's somehow taboo or not a good idea. If you sell your work online directly, I think that's silly. I think it's really silly. I think, you know, you just grab the bull by the horns and start doing it on your own. Now, if you have a gallery, make sure that you talk to them and make sure it's okay that you're doing that. Make sure that you have your prices in line with them. So you're not like underbidding them or undercutting them with your, with your prices. So there's, there's lots of things to consider, but for the most part, overall, absolutely, yes, do it. Just do it tastefully. So I hope that helps. This next question is from Peter, and he asks, what effect, if any, has the pandemic had on your art sales? So 
Um, I think I answered this question maybe before, but now that my website's up, I can answer it again, which is so exciting because um, my art sales are great. Actually um, making, doing better than I was with my brick and mortar, with my online website, which is incredible. And I'm thrilled. I'm over the moon about it. I think that COVID, like we all know, I think COVID, you know, forced people to go online, forced people to use Zoom, forced people to, um, you know, to do a lot of things online, especially with commerce that they weren't doing before, they weren't comfortable with. And now I think they're comfortable with it. You know, just like Zoom, I think people are really comfortable and confident about purchasing things online. What I have found is that it does take, um, you know, trust and familiarity with the person doing the selling. And um, whether the person buying is familiar with the artist or they're familiar with me, that's always, you know, the first step and much, it's a much easier sale. For artists who are just setting up their website to sell and they've never done it before and, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of people who know about their art, it's, it's going to take a while. You have to be patient. Um, but yeah, so far for me personally, my online sales have been fantastic. I'm I'm selling more art now online than I was in my brick and mortar, which is I'm so grateful, um, really thrilled about it. It's fantastic. So yeah, that's that's the answer my, of your question. Okay, thanks, Peter. This next question is from Sharon, and she says she's definitely not a Type A person. Okay, side note, Sharon, I hear this all the time. And I totally am not a type A person too. I think a lot of people think I am, but I'm not. Um, anyways, just she says, just the idea of cataloging my work becomes overwhelming. Yes, I understand. Would love to hear any tips that have helped others with administration and organization as I think I might may be ADHD. Um, I probably am too. <laughs> um, so I was not an organized type person. And, you know, for the longest time, like when I got out of school, out of college forever ago, um, I said, I'm never going to learn Excel because if I know Excel, someone's going to ask me how to do it. I was absolutely, you know, adamant that I wasn't going to do that kind of stuff. Then when I opened my gallery a few years ago, I kind of, I was forced in this position to be really organized. Um, and you know, it, Probably some people think I'm not as organized as I should have been. Um, but what I use um, is something called Airtable, which I totally love. It's really intuitive. It's beautiful. Actually, I'm looking at it right now with all the questions that people have submitted. Um, I think without Airtable, I'd probably have to have like three human beings helping me. So for me, what works is that I set up I have to try to keep myself on a system. Like, let's say a piece sells. I have to go update it on my Airtable right away. Who sold to, how much for, if the money was sent to the artist, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That kind of thing. Um, before, when we had the brick and mortar gallery and we had a ton of art in stock, we actually had um, QR codes attached to every piece of work. And, you know, I think a single artist doesn't have to do that. That's kind of over the top. But, um, that's what we did. Um, I also had, you know, two people helping me at the gallery. So I don't think I could have ever pulled that off, but I had a super organized helper. Um, and we used Airtable to do that as well. But I think that, you know, there's, there's several systems online. I've heard really good things about, um, artist archive or art archive. I'm not sure which one it is, but I've heard really good things about them. Um, I would just recommend using a really visual s system, 
something that you feel okay about and spend some time learning it. Like I'm one of those people who's like, oh, I can figure it out. And I don't watch the videos and then I get really frustrated and pulling my hair out. So, you know, spend some time getting to know the tools that you need to use um, by taking, you know, just telling yourself like Tuesday and Wednesday, I am focusing on Airtable. That's all I'm doing. I'm taking lessons. I'm going to master this. And if you, so if you dedicate that time up front, when you start to use it, it's going to be so much easier. You're not going to have to go back and go, oh my God, how do I do this? How do I attach a file? How do I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so just dedicating time in the beginning is going to be really helpful and avoid a lot of the frustration. Airtable is great because you can attach documents, you know, you can attach photos. Um, it's, it's wonderful. It's a great way to organize all of your everything, really. Uh, marketing efforts, contacts. Um, I'm always telling people all the time, make sure you have a, you know, a database of all of your contacts of people that, you know, galleries that you've hit up and maybe they said yes or no, or, you know, well, contact me in six months or something like that. You need to have some way to keep track of all that stuff because it just can get really crazy. And for me, Airtable is amazing. I love it. So give that a shot. Um, and I hope it works out. Oh, I kind of like this question from Mary. She asks, when an artist is describing a painting they have created, what do you like to hear from them? Is it about technique, materials, emotion, story, etc.? What matters the most to the viewer? Um, well, I think for the viewer and, and a gallerist are two different things. So, so let's talk about the viewer. If it's a viewer and sort of like everyday Joe, which most viewers are going to be, I would say that they're more interested in why you're making what you're making. Um, the more as personal as you can make it, right? Like you don't want to get too personal. Like I cried when I made this, put this green in the corner, you know, not, not anything like that, but just why you make what you make and what it means to you. Um, if there's some kind of story behind your work, like let's say you did a series after you went to, um, a national park or something, you know, I don't know. Uh, then, you know, you'd want to explain that story of why, you know, you felt like you needed to make all these paintings, um, or artwork about this particular adventure. So, you know, people love stories and that's the best way to market anything, sell your work, talk about your work is some kind of story. And, you know, I think what people are looking for is something that they can, latch onto emotionally and intellectually because lots of times people are really intimidated by art. So if you have a kind of story, a background story that can connect you with the viewer, um, that's super helpful. And that's probably the best way to talk about your work. They're not going to, you know, the, 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 the average viewer isn't really going to understand, um, things the way you do. Right. So you want to, I'm not saying dumb it down, but you want to just sort of appeal to what they would find interesting, right? They're not going to find it interesting, um, you know, compositional theory or color theory or anything like that, right? They're just going to, they're going to want to know why you made what you made and, and what it means to you really. So, um, most of the time, I think a lot of, you know, the thing that can really backfire is when you do a lot of this art speak and, you know, I hate it too, even though, I have a gallery. I hate art speak. I mean, I read statements and stuff from people and it's like, oh, come on, you know, 
just just say why you're making what you're making and how you make it. And um, you know, if there's a story or reason of why you're making it, let me know what that is. But just just be plain. Just you know, not um, this sort of pretentious crap that I don't think anybody likes. So that would be my suggestion. Hope that helps. This next question is from Diane Varney. Hi, Diane. I know her. Um, she says she's interested in so many different areas, printing or sorry, painting, ceramics, writing, gardening, and I'm having trouble choosing which area to devote my energy to. Do you have any tips on how to choose? They're all calling me. I hear this all the time and I feel like this too. I'm always like coming up with ideas I want to do. And, um, usually what I do personally is just kind of let them simmer for a while. Like if I have an idea like, Ooh, that's a good idea. And I just sort of let it simmer for, you know, up to a couple months and see if it's, if it's something that's, that's worthwhile as a, you know, as a, as a, as an artist, you know, painting and ceramics and writing and gardening seem to be, you know, that's something that's universal. And I say, do all of them, do whatever is calling you. Um, you're long, I know you're a painter for the most part. I know you for, from painting. I've shown one of your pieces before. Um, and it was great. Um, I'd love to see your ceramics. That'd be super cool. I think a lot of times artists feel like I can only do one thing and it can only be in one style. And then even when they do that, they feel like, oh my God, it's so different. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a terrible artist because, you know, this is different from this and this, and they think that things are really different, but I can always, I always like, you know, say these are, I can totally tell you made all of these, you know, that's sort of like a universal thing. And there's like this guilt attached to this idea that, um, if you dabble in different creative ventures, that somehow you're not good, you're not focused, you're not professional. And that's garbage. It's garbage because what is meant to be is going to sort of surface. And that's what you're going to be spending the most time on naturally, right? The stuff that you're the best at is are usually the things that you enjoy doing the most. Um, if you were to cut out writing and gardening, for instance, because those aren't directly visual arts, um, then you're you know then you're sort of stifling these other areas because you don't really know how that gardening, for instance, might be feeding into your painting. You don't really know how that writing might be feeding into your ceramics. You don't you know all of these things are sort of just this soup of wonderful creativeness, you know, that's all you. And so I'd say don't cut any of them off. Observe, you let yourself do all of them, right? Let yourself do all of them for like a certain time period. Like maybe it's, you know, just a month. And then at the end of the month, maybe keep track about how much time you're spending on them. And then maybe you see which one is the most productive for you at the end of the month. Like, um, you know, or the most, you know, you can take farther or you want to investigate farther or do you know what I mean? Like focus on, uh, you know, after set a time period and then focus on what was the most successful in your opinion and then continue with that. But I think just like sort of shut yourself off from these other ideas is it's another one of these ideas that artists need to be a certain way, you know, and I think it's just time to just take all that stuff and just, you know, throw it in the trash can because, you know, artists are, are amazing at so many different things. And, you know, if you stifle one, you could really be stifling the other and not realize it. Um, and the thing that, you know, when it's time to focus on one particular thing, that's going to come up, become apparent to you. Um, especially if you sort of do an experiment, experiment for a month and see, you know, see what surfaces, see what, is the most successful in your opinion. 
um, that you want to explore more. Um, so that's how I'd approach it. This question is from Helen and she asks, I used to paint my edges black, but as my art got lighter, I changed it to white. White seems to get dirty so easily. So I changed it to silver. Do galleries have preferences? Okay. So I assume that you're talking about canvases or cradled panels where you have, you know, at least a couple inches um, or an inch, you know, to on the edges. So my personal preference when it is um, canvases is that they're painted white. Um, white could get dirty, but you can always clean it. Um, and that shows that you're really taking care of your art, shows that you're really valuing it. Um, and silver, I would say no, I, I don't like that at all, but that's my preference. Um, and for cradled panels, I like a really nice, clean, natural wood edge. I don't like them painted at all. Um, I prefer it painted than like fingerprints and stuff like that. Cause that drives me nuts. You know, when you, when you see stuff like that, it just says, um, you know, it says to a gallerist, like to me, it's like, well, this person doesn't really care about their work. Like they're, they're not really taking care of it. They're not honoring it. They're not, um, you know, really, you know, treating it with, with respect. Right. And I think when that, you know, to the average person, when they come into a gallery, if they see work like that, then they think the same thing sort of subconsciously. They think, oh, well, this isn't, you know, this isn't very valuable because look at how it's presented. So presentation is so important, so important. Oh my God, the other day, I somebody was showing pictures of a show that they were in and I swear to God, every single picture, every single painting on the wall was crooked. There was no like plumb line. There was no, oh my God, I was like practically, you know, having an anxiety attack looking at it. <laughs> um, but presentation is everything. You know, this is one of those things that if you present things in a really pristine way, like, and you treat your art with like, like it's as if it's the most important thing in the world, right? Like as if it's like, you know, the Holy Grail or something, um, that's going to come across, you know? So if you have dirty edges on your, on your painting because you painted it white and da, 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 you know, those are cleanable. You can clean those and they shouldn't, you know, there shouldn't ever be dirty fingers on it to begin with. Like, what does that say? So I'm a real stickler with this stuff because I think that even mediocre art can be, can appear amazing if it's presented right. That can, you know, that you can, you can look at you know, really huge, you know, blue chip galleries and see how they display art. You know, one painting on a 20 foot wall, for instance, that says right there, wow, this piece of art is extremely valuable, right? Like, doesn't it just come across the presentation is so important. I mean, I could scream about this all day. If I have stuff that, you know, comes in, like when I had the brick and mortar gallery and stuff would come in and had fingerprints and stuff, it would drive me nuts. I mean, I've had stuff come in wrapped up in, um, you know, used, um, horrible, dirty, with like so much animal hair, you know, wrapped up in these like plastic. I mean, I don't, I don't, it doesn't need to be perfect, perfect when you're shipping it and stuff, but even when you're shipping it and the person's unwrapping it, like they're, the way you're handling it, the way, you know, the, sort of the pride, the presentation, the, how you feel about it comes across like in all these non-verbal ways. So this is something that you can, a trick that you can employ that's really not that big of a deal, 
but it really says that your work is valuable. So every time or any time that you're, you know, bringing your work to a gallery or sending it to someone, you know, collector or a person who bought it or displaying it, um, especially displaying it, you got to think about like, if I were displaying, you know, a diamond, how would I do it? What, how would I, how would I go about it? You know, you're not going to just throw it in a cardboard box and put it on like a TV tray, right? Like you're going to do, you're going to do something, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to value it. You're going to show that you value it and it's, um, presentations, everything. So silver, I don't know. So you're back to your question after my little rant, um, you know, ask the gallery, um, some galleries don't care. I think galleries that are pretty good do care. Um, and you know, I, if they're okay with painted silver edges, great, you know, but I would say white, I would say white edges because white is not distracting. It doesn't distract from what's on the front of the canvas. That's the reason why gallery walls 99.9% of the time, unless it's a specific show in a museum, that's why walls and galleries are white because it's non-distracting. You can look at the work, um, and it shows that you value the work. So having white edges or sanded, nicely sanded wood edges on cradled, um, cradled panels, you know, maybe you put like a non-glossy varnish on it to protect it, you know, um, that's great. It shows you care. It shows you care. It's, you know, treat your work like you would, you know, a diamond really like just, it's, it's the most important thing in the world and make sure that that comes across in every interaction you have with people. So I hope that helps. This next question is from Amy, and she says she's a re-emerging artist, which I love. I don't like the term emerging like we talked about before, but re-emerging is okay in my book. Um, anyway, and my previous work, she says, was all live models or landscapes. In other words, perfectly fine for living room art. It's true. People, before I read the rest of her question, but this is something I've been thinking about a lot, is that, um, you know, for re-emerging artists, um, it's great to have something that people can sort of hang a hook on in a sense, like mentally, right? Like they can relate to figure and landscapes. And that's why those usually sell well because they're beautiful. As you put it, um, uh, perfectly fine living room art. Um, now she, and so to read the rest of her question, she says, I am now painting around certain themes like anxiety and depression, grief, the challenges of mother daughter relationships And I'm not certain who my customer might be since I haven't exhibited this new work. Okay. So before I read the rest of her question, um, this is going to be a harder sell. And I think you're, I think you're aware of that. I think, you know, when you said perfectly fine living room art, uh, and now you're doing stuff on anxiety, depression, and grief, um, you know, that's usually not stuff that people want to hang in their living room. So I think, you know, that you're sort of treading into new territory here, Um, and you're not really sure how you approach it, which is always the question, right? So then she goes on, how important is it to know who your prospective audience might be and how do you find out and target them? I already have scoped out galleries where I think my work would fit into their program. Um, okay. So, you know, that's such a, it's such a difficult thing, right? Um, Hey, I think what you should do is because this is a whole new body of work. I would consider doing an art fair on your own. Rent a really small booth so it's not so expensive. And then you can observe, you can find out in a weekend who is most likely to purchase your work. 
if you're doing things on social media and you're doing things online and you're sending out newsletters and stuff, it kind of takes years to figure out who your audience is, right? But um, since you've already have experience doing, you know, as an artist and you're, and now you're doing things that you know are going to be a little bit of a harder sell and who are the people who are going to be buying it, I would suggest doing an art fair, like doing an art fair for artists only, like Superfine, the other fair, something like that. Rent out a small booth and just kind of do it as an experiment. Don't go into it thinking, you know, I'm going to sell out this show or don't go into it even thinking I'm going to break even. Don't even think about sales with the purpose of that money, the several thousand dollars that you would have to spend to do this. But the purpose of that several thousand dollars is to be able to narrow down your audience as good as you can in a weekend, right? And you, you'll be able to tell by people's responses when they come in. You can talk to them too. Like, are you, you know, find out what they like about the piece or are they, do they have a specific place in their house that they're looking for? Or, you know, then you can get a lot more answers. And I'd also suggest if you're going to do an art fair like that to, to jot down things as you're going, um, because you'll forget, you know, and, um, if you can get those people, anybody who's interested in your work to sign up for your mailing list, and then you can stay in touch with them. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to be a re-emerging artist. It's, it's, um, it's difficult to, you know, switch gears with your work and, you know, show things that I think you, you know, that, you know, are going to be a harder sell instead of live models or landscapes. Um, it's, it's hard, but you can do it. You can totally, totally do it. And, um, that would be my suggestion to sort of get on the horse right away and answer those questions as quickly as possible would be to do an art fair because that's the most direct way to your customers face to face. And you can judge by their body language, by their, um, expressions. And that's one of the things that's so great that I love about women artists who are reemerging as I call them, because, you know, we have all this experience for years and years and years, and now you can use it in other ways, um, that are really going to benefit you. So I hope that helps. Carol asks, this is a very similar question to the last one from Amy. Um, what does an older late seventies and eighties year old artist who continues to make good, strong work do about the career aspect of the profession? Um, you know, here's, okay. So this is, this is like something I get all the time. And, you know, a lot of older artists in their seventies and eighties in particular, they're amazing. And like you said, you know, they're doing good, strong art. Hell yes, they are. You know, this whole bullshit of, you know, galleries only signing, you know, artists in their twenties, you know, right after their MFA. I, you know, I don't know. I just don't think there's as much to, I mean, great. There's some really great artists who are, who are that young. I, I understand that. But there's so many artists who are older who are always overlooked, and I'm so sick of it. So, Carol, I feel your pain. Um, it makes me livid. It really does. It really, really does. Like, you know, I think it's, ugh. Okay. Um, what do they do about the career aspect of their profession? So I, I assume you're kind of talking about, like, marketing and getting your work out there and stuff like that. And, you know, lots of times for artists in their 70s and 80s, not all the time, but lots of times, you know, they they – they're intimidated by technology. I mean, I found this with women artists over 70, um, over 60, actually, really intimidated by uh, computers, by email, by, um, you know, and I think there's kind of like this mindset, like, I can't do this. It's too hard. And, you know, 
The thing is, the thing that, um, you know, when I started learning the Macintosh, which was forever ago, granted, but um, I realized at a certain point, well, okay, let me back up a little bit. So my dad, who's a physicist, he, you know, he knew DOS. He knew how to, you know, he knew, he, he's a smart guy, <laughs> obviously. And um, he always used DOS, you know, and, and you know, IBM-based systems. And uh, after he retired, he got his first Macintosh and he was pulling his hair out. It was, it was so funny. Not really, but um, he was really, you know, stressed because I kept telling him, dad, it's so easy. It's hard, right? And, um, you know, he, he couldn't figure out how to throw files out at first. This is when he first got his Mac. Now he's really good at it, but he couldn't figure out how to throw files out. And I, you know, we're on the phone. He's up in Seattle. I'm in LA and I, and I'm telling him, dad, just drag it to the trash can. And he just thought that was so absurd, right? But um, I said, you know, it's it, it's so easy, it can be hard. So he was doing that. And then when I went up to Seattle to their house, and I, you know, I, I he had some other question about the Mac. So I opened up the computer, and I'm <laughs> there's all these documents like piled up on top of the trash can. It was really funny. So, you know, Macintosh especially and Windows now, you know, it's 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 made to be as easy as possible. It's not made to trick you. It's made to, um, you know, help you out in life. So if you approach it with that mindset, like, okay, you know, I can do this. I can figure this out. Um, if it's really challenging, take a class. You know, Apple, at the Apple stores, they have, you know, basics of Macintosh for free all the time. There's that. So that's one thing. The first thing you need to do is sort of overcome any kind of tech challenge or adversity or fear that you might have and kind of work through that because, Without getting past that step, then everything else is just going to be like so hard and so awful. You're you're not even going to want to do it. I mean, because I've I've worked with a lot of artists who, you know, they have a lot of confusion with email, um, you know, attachments, you know, things that are really important to know, and you know, can be really frustrating for people on the other end. <laughs> um, so try to try to do that first if that's a challenge for you and know that you can do it. You can totally do it. Okay. Like you can, you can do it. It's, it's, it's totally doable. Once you, once you get past the computer hump, then try, you know, you're going to want to try, you know, get on social media. And I know everybody, everybody, everybody hates it, but that's, you know, Instagram right now is the number one marketing tool for artists. It's free. You know, as long as you don't run ads, it's free. It's, um, it's there. You just, you know, you, there's a bazillion classes on YouTube and things like that that can, you can learn about Instagram and just, you know, just start with baby steps. Um, take your time with it. Be real, be authentic, be yourself, show your work. Um, you know, no one's going to be, no one's going to be mean to you. No one's gonna, you know, laugh at you. It's, 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 it's all doable and it's totally possible it just takes commitment. I think that's the, that's the thing. That's the key. Like it just takes commitment and believing that you can do it. Um, these days it's really, you know, the idea of like a gallery swooping in and, and, you know, quote unquote, rescuing you and doing all that sort of work for you isn't really going to happen. They're going to expect you to know how to do those things because it's a partnership these days, um, with a gallery. It's, you, you know, you work together to advance your career, not just, you know, it's not just a one-sided thing. So, um, just commitment, you know, commit to it, just dedicate a certain number of hours a day, maybe to learning things. I would suggest, you know, first mastering the computer. So you're comfortable with it, you know, basics of email, 
things like that. And then I would learn Canva, which is C-A-N-V-A.com, canva.com. And you can do all sorts of stuff with that. So I would take classes on those two things and I would take a class on Instagram. I would really commit to doing that. And then it's not going to feel like so much of a chore if you know how to do it. Um, and then it's totally possible Then anything's possible after that. So that's what I would suggest. Hey, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Tough on Art. If you want to check out the gallery, it's gentuff.gallery, not .com. If you want to send me a message or ask a question for the podcast, you can go to uh, the podcast website, toughonart.com, and you'll see contact, and there's a little uh, form there you can fill out. But I hope you enjoyed this. I really enjoyed doing it, and I hope you benefited, and I'll see you online. Thanks.